Now we're talking about relationships, and this is the next to the last message on fire proof your relationships. How can we fix the problem? That's the title of the message today. How can we fix the problem? Well, you know, we talked about statistics last time. I could give you more, but I'm not going to give you any more statistics on that. But we, we can uh, talk about a lot of statistics. But last week we said that 41% of first marriages fail, 6% of second marriages, and 73% of third marriages. According to the uh, another, uh, I guess, statistical research by Rutgers University, says 63% of American children grow up uh, with both biological parents at home, which is the lowest uh, figure in the Western world. That means that 47% of the children in uh, America grew up with one biological parent in the home. Now, <clears throat> we know those are statistics, and we know that, this is, that those statistics are for the church as well as for the world combined. But what can we do to change the church? We know the world is supposed to be like that basically anyway because they are serving the God of this world, uh, Satan, and their eyes are blinded. They can't see the glorious light of the gospel, so we know that they're going to be missing it. But we know that statistics also say that there's not a lot of difference between the statistics in the church and the statistics in the world. So that means that there, we have a serious problem. So we say, well, okay, how can we fix the problem? Because we've gone over the problem. How can we fix the problem? Because we, we don't want to have problems in the church. Now, obviously we know that people are going to come into church and they're going to come into church uh, just like I came in. They, they, they got saved. I didn't come in that way. I, I, was, I was unsaved when I came in. But most people come in and say saved. And then what happens is that they are looking for a better way. That's the only way you're going to get somebody in the church that's unsaved is they think you have something that they need. So in order for us to show them that we have something that they need, then we need to show up our relationships. Not only the relationships of marriage, we talked about relationships between uh, just one another, our relatives, relationships at work, our relationships with our, uh, our in-laws, just relationships with our siblings. We need to show those things up because we don't need to be um, one way with our uh, siblings and another way with those who we don't even know. We don't want to be one way with our mate and then another complete way with strangers or people that we just know in the church. You should come to church, really, um, with a uh, pretense, per se. You know, by that I mean that, you know, how, how we put on our church face. We put on our church, everything is, we just smiling, you know. Everything is so nice, you know. And uh, you say, how you doing? Oh, fine, 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 you know. And, and it is to a certain extent because you're, like people say, you're upright, you know. You're walking. You're not, you're not dead yet, you know. And you're not uh, sick in the bed. So you are doing fine, but you're not doing fine. And so what we want to do is we want to make that actually true. So what you see is what you get. What you see in church is what you get behind closed doors. That's what we want. And that's the only way we can do it is find what is the problem then? How can we fix this problem? Let's look at it. Uh, how can we fix this thing? The first thing I think we need to do when we go fix a problem is that we, know, we must know what the problem is. How in the world are we going to fix something? We don't even know what it is. We don't even know we have a problem. We don't even know 
what the, what the root of the problem is. We got to know that. And we must then look at the foundation, the root of the problem. Let's go to Genesis because Genesis usually shows us the, the beginning of things. And it shows us sometimes what the root of things are. And we've, we've gone there before, but we want to highlight just a couple of verses, a couple of three or four verses. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 18, we see here that God took the man, he put him in the garden, and he, um, to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may uh, freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So we see that, that God had a foundation plan. And then in verse, um, let's look at uh, three one. We see that Nana's serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, have God said, Shall not shall you not eat of any tree of the garden? And so he's starting to question, getting her to question what God said. Let's look over in verse 14. Now we know, because we've already gone over in a previous message, what, what, what happened in that, and we know the context of sin. So did God really have consequences for every one of them? Or just one? Or for two? Or for all three? All three. He had, he had consequences for all three. Because he said to the serpent, the Lord said to the serpent. So the serpent had to have some consequences for what he did. Then he said, uh, in verse 16, to the woman he said. So we know that a woman has some consequences. And then in verse 17, he said, then to Adam he said. And so God had consequences for each one. And there are consequences then when we don't do certain things. Now I say, I gave us, I gave us two uh, points early on in the, in the series. I said that number one is that you have to know who you are in the Lord. You got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, Satan can deceive you and think, he'll make you think that you are not who you are. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know also who your enemies are. If you don't know who your enemies are, you're still going to be up the creek without a, without a boat. If you don't know that the enemy exists, Satan, unclean spirits, the world system exists, our flesh exists. There's no good thing in the flesh. We know that. We said we had to know those things. That was point number one. Then point number two, we said that, that once you know that, you have to make sure that you don't allow the enemy to have his way. In other words, resist him. Resist the enemy. Resist the world system. Resist our flesh. So we know we have to know who we are, know that the enemy exists, who they are, and also resist them. We gave you those two points. Then we gave you three principles early on in our, our messages. Uh, we said that, uh, you probably already know them, know them don't you? Okay, you don't? Okay, let me give them to you again. Now, the, the, one, the first principle is that basically, you know, I said, well, when you go through this series, if you just remember these three principles, I'm going to give you two more today. Just remember these principles. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You have no rights outside of Christ. 
We must say that. Love others, even as Christ has loved you. Remember? Pursue peace. Seek it. Pursue it. Don't be about strife, contention. Seek peace. Pursue it. Those are three principles. Now let's look at um, principle number four. Knowing the word of God. If we're going to fix the principle, we have to know the word of God. You can't fix a problem dealing with spiritual things if you don't know what's spiritual. The word of God is spiritual. We must know the word of God. When he came to Eve, Eve should know the word of God, should know what God said, she should know the essence of why she needs to be obedient to God, which is the fifth principle, is obeying the word of God. Most people know the word of God, but a lot of people don't obey what they know. Do you hear what I'm saying? They don't obey what they know. You must know the word of God, and you must obey the word of God. We can't walk by feelings. We can't walk by the world system. We can't walk by what somebody has said. We have to walk by what the word of God said. Now, if we can do that, we can solve the problem, any problem, any problem in the church. We have to be talking about just relationship problems, but we're talking about any problem, financial, we don't care what it is. The world system, the world system say that, oh, we're in a deep recession, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better, you know. No telling what's going to happen, you know. Nobody might not be working, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not in God's system. In the world system, yeah. Not in God's system. You have favor at work. That's what you're supposed to have, favor at work. You're not supposed to be, be laid off and, 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 you know, and they keep somebody else and they let you go. No, 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 no. You have favor at work. I stand on that. Let's look at 1 Samuel, chapter 15. Let's look at this root in some of the other scriptures. Let's see whether this thing be so, what I said. Two principles I said, if we get to this root, oh, we can solve. We can solve the problem in the church. Oh, we can solve it. No problem whatsoever. 1 Samuel 15, verse 3. Now go... And strike Amalek. Now the Lord is telling him through Samuel what to do. And utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him, but put to death both man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Is anything supposed to be left alive? Nothing, no, nothing, no one. God says that I'm dealing with Amalek and I want you to deal with it. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. Here's Saul. You know it's talking about Saul. He defeated the Amalekites. Verse 8 said, He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agat 
and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And they were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. We have a problem. We have a violation of, of a principle. The principle is he must know the word of God. Was he told? Was he told? Did he obey? Are we told? Are we told? Do we obey? Not all the time, right? Not all the time. We want to move from this state of sanctification to more sanctified, more sanctified, more sanctified until God takes us home. Verse 16, let's look there. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He said to him, speak, 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 I want to hear this. Samuel said, is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king of Israel? Now he can say that to us also. Haven't I taken you out of the power of darkness? Haven't I translated, translated you into the kingdom of his dear son? To my son, Jesus Christ. Haven't I, haven't I taken you when you were in the monk and mire, when you were nothing, and I made you a son, a daughter of, of mine? Have I not done that? So we have to, when we read, we have to put it into context where we can get some understanding out of this. We don't want to read it just as history. We want to read it as application for us today. Verse 18. And the Lord sent you on his mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, Saul says something that a lot of times we say. I did obey the voice of the Lord. And I went on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, Amalek and, and, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, oh, oh my goodness gracious, that doesn't sound like Genesis. But that serpent, the Lord, the serpent. And the man says, oh, but the woman you gave me. And we sometimes say, oh, our employer, our boss, you, you wouldn't stay there either. You would have said the same thing I said if he would have done the same thing to you. Or you'll say, you know, oh, that man you gave me, you know. He's not, he's not like you, Jesus. He, he's supposed to be just like you. He's not like you. Why should I have to submit to that man? Huh? And we say the same thing about the woman. You know, God, you know, I'm trying to love that woman. Oh, God, you know. But, you know, she's not submitted to me. We're always pointing fingers, aren't we? My, my. Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings? Because they said they're going to bring it back to sacrifice to the Lord. 
as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of divination, and insubordination as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, does that match our principles? Number four and five. Obey the word of God. We say, once you know the word of God. Did Saul obey what he knew? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. We don't want to be that way. If we're going to change things in the church, we have to start being obedient. I don't care how you feel. I really don't. Because I feel the same way sometimes. Who in the world wants to go to, to a workplace and have a hard taskmaster and they're always trying to blame you for something and they're favoring somebody else? Who wants to be that way? Who wants to be in a church where they favor somebody but they don't favor you? You know, They treat you different than they treat somebody else. Everyone has feelings. God gave us feelings, didn't he? We didn't give ourselves feelings. Satan didn't give us feelings. God gave us feelings. Are feelings good? Yeah, they're good. They're good. If you didn't have feelings, you might burn your hand off, you know? You know, put it on the stove, you know, because you, you don't have any feelings. You know? Lepers didn't have feelings because, you know, they had leprosy and nerves would get, get all messed up and so they didn't have feelings. Get the nose burnt off, hands burnt off, you get anything burnt off because they didn't have feelings. Feelings are good. But we cannot follow our feelings. We lead our feelings. Feelings are like the caboose of a train. It's like the last car. The engine, oh, it's God's word. We, well, it, it keeps us going. You know? That's what we go by. Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 It says here, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So after he said things about the marriage, after he said things about the children obeying their parents, after he said the things about the fathers, don't provoke your children, he said something about those who are in bondage and slavery to the masters, he said something to the masters. Then he said finally, he also said in the beginning, talk about who we are in Christ. But now here he ends up saying, finally, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Finally, let me tell you what to do. You need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his strength. That's what actually it might mean. Not your own strength, strength of his strength. How can I be strong in the strength of his strength? By putting on the full arm of God. Not part of it, not just a helmet. You wouldn't do good in a battle. Some of these battles that, that who watch, you know, King Arthur, those battles, man, you have on just a helmet and nothing else on you're going to get whacked, you know? you got to have some shield. you got to have all this stuff, you know? He says, the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes or the stratagems of the devil. I have a sir. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood. So your, your struggle is not with your mates. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your struggle is not with your employer. Those who are employers, your struggle is not with your employees. Your struggle is not against your wife, husband. Your struggle is not against your husband, wives. Your struggle is not against them. It's against the principalities, the powers, the rules of darkness, the spiritual weaknesses in the heavenly places. That's where our struggles go. 
we already said it. We have to know who our enemies are, right? The world system. The world system tells us that, oh, just end it. You don't have to put up with this anymore. Just end it. Because you have a right to be happy. You're going to be miserable you stay in this marriage. You got a right to be happy. You have no rights outside of Christ. And so Christ already told us what to do in here. The Christ is the word of God. He's the word. You have no rights outside of the word. You get off that word, you don't have no rights. You're in the enemy's territory. Let's go a little further. Therefore, verse 13, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist. Remember that I told you you have to resist. That was second point. Resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand. Stand firm. Therefore, having girded your arms with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All of, the, all of this is the word. All of it's in the word. All of it's in the word. When you get ready to, to uh, go to battle, when you get ready to do some hard work, you gird up your lawns, you know? When people who are moving, movers, you know, furniture and things like that, they, they'll put a belt, a thick belt on around their waist, you know, to tighten that thing up because they get ready to do some heavy lifting. Gird up your lawns with truth. It says that, verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe in God. And that's the trouble with the world. They can't believe in God. They don't believe in God. They'll be saved. They were. They believe in God. But in the church, we're supposed to believe in God. Why should we say, oh, man, things are not going well, so I need to bail out, you know? No, you don't need to bail out. It's time to trust God. Did God say bail out? If God didn't say bail out, there's no bail out. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're going to walk by the word. We're not going to walk by our feelings. We're not going to walk by our circumstances. Come on, y'all are children of God. Huh? Circumstances look bad sometimes. Don't it? In relationships. Look bad sometimes. But we don't walk by those. If we walked up by those, we might as well not have given our life to Jesus Christ. We might as well have been staying in the world. Every knee going to bow still, and every tongue going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in one day. So we're in, we're in a good place. Which you will be able to extinguish all, all, man, I highlighted it, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All, that means that everything he shoots at your marriage, everything he shoots at your relationship, I don't care what he shoots, the shield of faith extinguishes. You just put the shield up, pew. And then they, 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 they uh, put the stuff on those arrows and, and put uh, fire to those arrows. And when they shoot it, they expect that it hit you and catch you a fire and you're going to burn up. You are dead. But our shield, it catches it. It catches it. Every, every arrow, it catches. I mean, it is, we're talking about, do y'all watch movies like that? Y'all watch those, you know, movies that got swords, man, they got helmet, and they shoot arrows, you know? I like movies like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I know that's what they did in, in the Old Testament. And they went to war with spears and stuff. They went to war, you know. We have more modern weaponry now, but he's using analogies based on what they were doing back then. Then he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In verse 18, I like to, I like to keep that with the, with the armor because without that, you can forget it. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. I like that. And that's what we're doing for in the church. That's what you need to be doing for your marriage. Usually the people who complain most about, about their relationships are the people who are not doing a lot of praying. Honestly, I'm telling you, it takes time to pray. You hear what I'm saying? It takes time. It takes energy to pray. You go to battle when you start praying for your marriage. You go to battle when you start praying for your relationship between your, your children, your teens, and, and you, because the teen years, when they hit, well, sometimes it's, it's, it's when they hit two years old, you know? Uh, you got to be praying for them, you know? Yeah. They have a mind of their own, you know? You tell them, come here. No. It's like there's a, oh, my goodness gracious, you know? Baby, did you hear that? Did you hear what that, that, that boy told him? Told his parents, no. And then they said, well, I'll give you some candy if you come. So what? What kind of parenthood is that? You know? Romans 13, 11 through 14. Do this, knowing that the time is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He talks about the armor again, the armor of light. And Jesus Christ is light. God is light. Put on that armor. Darkness can't stand that armor alone. Let's ask you some questions. Uh, we'll see how far we can go before we close. We're going to have communion the Sunday after Easter. We're going to end the series and have communion. What if my mate is disobedient to the word of God? See, you told us the principle, number four, was, you know, we got to know the word of God. Number five is obey the word of God. Suppose my mate does not obey the word of God. What am I going to do? Preacher, come on, tell me. What am I going to do now? You told me that the, the two people obey the word of God, your marriage can stand, but they won't obey the word of God. They won't obey it. God has, has something for you in the word of God. Everything that has to do with life and godliness is found in this word. It really is. Everything. Doesn't have to do with life, doesn't have to do with godliness, you might not see it. But everything that has to do with life and godliness is in the word of God. Let's look at 1 Peter, chapter 3. Have you ever heard anybody say that to you? And this, is, this is something that's going to help you counsel those people who you might come in contact with you. Because when you hear a message, 
God expects you to do two things. Obey it and share it. Obey it and share it. Because, see, if you're just getting fat, you don't feed anybody else the word of God. You're just getting fat on the word of God. Oh, man, I know the word of God. But here's, here's all the people around you, your coworkers and everything, they having problems in their relationships, but yet you won't share anything. Come on. Share the word of God. And I know the wives, you want that man to be submissive to the, the word of God. You say, oh, if that, if that man would ever, if he would ever be like Christ, boy, I'd be all over him. <laughs> you might not never get over him. I mean, you might, might never be all over him. Because, you know, matter of fact, how many of us are just like Christ? I mean, we don't have anything that we're complete. We are teleos, they say in the Greek. We, 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 we are, are, are finished a finished product, you don't have, we don't, God doesn't have to do a thing to us. I don't know anybody like that. So you know that man's not going to be that way. But just in case you're almost there, women, and the man is, you know, because women, they, they, get, they, they mature faster than, than, than uh, the girls are mature faster than the boys. You know? Who says that's right? <laughs> Must, must have been a woman. <laughs> In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husband if they are just like Christ. Is that what I said? Did I say that? What version y'all reading out of? In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husband so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word. Oh, you didn't hear that. Without a word. Now, I know that's going to... All the men say, amen, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> without a word. See, a lot of times, y'all, what you, what you women want to do, you want to talk a lot and do little. You know? No, do a lot and talk none. If you got a disobedient husband, talking not going to help him. I know from experience. All it's going to do is drive that man further and further away from you. Believe me. Trust me. Trust me. I've seen it. I counsel with him years and years and years in the school system. You counsel Yeah, I'm telling you. Is this that way? But if you, can, if you can just show him the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ and don't say a word, don't even say a word, don't even open your mouth, you know? Boy, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard for men. I know it's hard for women, you know? They may be warned without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be the mirror of putting makeup on, you know, standing in the mirror, combing your hair. You know, it says right here, mirror external, I mean, braiding of the hair, wearing of jewelry and gold, and putting on dresses and things like that. You know how, you know, you want to look good when you go out, you know, women. You don't want to go out with your hair and, and curls and stuff like that and, and, you, and all your headband on your head. You don't want to go out like that. You see, you're going, you're going to look good. God says, hey, don't let that be how you really look good. Look good by putting on the adornment on the inside of a meek and a quiet spirit. 
Don't leave the other undone, please. You know, because no, <laughs> you won't have a husband. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, let it make sure it's the inward person. Okay? The hidden person of the heart, it says in verse 4. But for imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Which it says is precious in the sight of God. Now, let me ask you a question. What if your mate does not obey the word of God? Now, it talked here about, of course, the men not be obedient, being obedient. But do you know there are women who are not obedient also to the word of God? What do we do, men? You say, oh, oh that verse is for women only. It's not for the men. No, no. It's for a child of God. So, men, if you have a, if, if any of you, or you, you, you have somebody on your workplace or somebody come across your path that God puts across your path and the woman is not obedient to the word of God, then you be obedient to the word of God and let her be won over by your inward man, you know, that meek and acquired spirit, and let her be won without a word. Come on, man, let me hear that. Without a word. Say, that's what you want to do, without a word. She's not going to hear you if you try to, if you try to give her the word, if you try to talk to her and try to tell her what she already knows. She doesn't want to hear it because she's a bit disobedient to the word of God. So you live a life that's godly before her. Now, you know what that'll do for men, men or women? If you live a godly life before your mate, you know what God will do? He'll say, hey, angels, come here. You see that? You see what, what, what they're doing? They are obedient to my word of God. They're obedient to my word. What I want you to do is go down and I want you to touch this woman. I want you to touch this man and cause him to be obedient. Do you know that God can do that? God can change somebody. You can't change anybody. We can't even change ourselves. The spirit of God can. God will change that other person. You say, well, I don't know. He might not. Well, he might not. But surely, if you don't obey his word, you're not. It's not going to change. The word of God has power in it. I mean, it's powerful. So if you do the word, you're standing on a rock. What if I don't want to get married yet? You know, I'm not ready, some men say, you know. Women are usually ready. But, you know... The man said, I'm not ready yet, you know. But, you know, I want the same privileges as if we were. Come live with me. Come lay with me. You ought to smack him, you know. <laughs> I'm serious, you should smack him, you know. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7. Verse 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, they were writing these things. They were asking. They were asking them a question. What about this thing right here? It is, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Men, did you hear me? Not to touch a woman. We're talking about unmarried right now. Don't even touch her. Uh, are we reading the word of God or, or what? It's the word of God. Don't touch it. See, it's, it's on the men. 
a lot of times, you know, women are strong to resist, but sometimes uh, they tend to sometimes want to please because they think you're going to marry them. Don't fall for the, for the snake. I'm serious. Those, those are smooth lines, you know. Let's try it out, you know. Tell them to go try it out, you know, with somebody else. Not trying it out with you. Verse 2, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. If it's on their own, it's not somebody else's husband, not somebody else's wife, their own. Did you hear what God said now? Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, I wrote you in, in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Now, he's not talking about immoral people that's in the world because the world is full of immoral people. He said, if I, if I, told you, if I was talking about the world, man, you, could, you might as well get out in the world, you know? That's the next one he says. He said, but actually, I wrote to you not to associate with, the, with any so, so-called, so-called brother. It could mean a sister. If he is an immoral person, a covetous. You know? Anybody who's not doing what God says to do, don't even associate. Don't even eat with them. You say, oh, that's, that's hard. Man, it's cold. You should have compassion on them. You know? So what if they, they're living with somebody? You know, you can go eat with them. It's all right. You know? God said don't eat with them. You know why God said that? Because they're saying they're Christians, but yet they want to live like a non-Christian. And if you don't eat with them, don't associate with them, they're going to try to find some way to get back in fellowship. If they are truly a Christian, because if, you're, if God's seed is in you, you can't continue to sin. That's what the word says. God wants to drive them back into fellowship. He does that. And you say, oh, there are plenty of churches. I, I can go to this other church. They'll take me. They won't even ask me no questions either. Well, that person got to stand before God. You know? I don't have anything to do with that. But here, we're going to find out if you're in immorality or not. You say, oh, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank God for the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, man, do you think God can tell you something? Yeah. He can tell you something. You know what's going on. You might not want to listen, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to find out who's sleeping together who's not. I don't care if you're married or not married. If, you, if you're married and sleeping with somebody else other than your mate, you're in trouble. If you're not married and sleeping with somebody, you're still in trouble. Do you hear what I'm saying? The only way you can sleep with anybody is that you marry them. Pay the price. Men, do you hear what I said? Pay the price. Amen. Tell the man beside you, pay the price if you're single. <laughs> yeah. Tell him to pay the price. He wants his cake, icing, you know, on the cake, and give him some ice cream too. You know, he wants everything. I know. We're talking about 
men. Men, God made different from women. Women can abstain. But men, you know, my goodness gracious, yeah. I don't know why God made us this way. I do, I do know why he made us this way, because if he didn't make us this way, it wouldn't be no children, you know? Yeah. So he made us different, but he made it, you know, he made marriage so it's good. You got to wait. You got to wait. What if two people were unbelievers when they got married, but one got saved and the other one did not? That's the question. Because this see, see, it's different. You know, God doesn't want that. You know, he wants both people to get married in the Lord. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. But to the married I give instructions, not I, but the Lord, that a wife should not leave her husband, but she, if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And you say, oh, no, no, the judge tells me there's, there's uh, no fault divorce. <laughs> you can believe that judge you want to, this ungodly judge, you can believe it. But you're going to have to stand before God. The ungodly judge, he's going to be in the pit if he doesn't get saved. So I'm telling you, don't believe what, what they, they, they'll allow anything in the world, won't they? Did you just read the paper about our? Was it our? The, the judge. Judge, oh my goodness, great. You know he's ungodly. I mean, you don't see why two people of the same sex shouldn't get married. My goodness gracious. Let his daughter, let his wife, you know, go off with somebody of the same sex and see how he feels. You know? Come on. That's disobedient to the word of God. So don't believe the world system. That's our enemy. Okay? But the rest, I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, who is, who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband, for otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Now you, you know he's not talking about they are in Christ and sanctified and things like that. It's they are affected by your stand with God. Wherever you are, everybody around you, is affected by you, if you're a Christian. So there's a, that, that is the situation in most, in most cases. And that's how uh, I was Minerva was, was uh, born again before I was. And so I said, whoa, my goodness, you know, uh, what's she going to do with me? Because here I am, you know, laying on the couch, you know, uh, not going to church, not wanting to go to church. But she lived a life before me that she led me to want to be with her to go to church, you know? And so I went just because of her, even to the Catholic church, you know, which, you know, I didn't, I, I, we didn't stay long because I didn't want to stay there. She said, well, 
you find somewhere to go. And I didn't know anywhere to go. I wanted to go. And so thank God for him using Ms. Dorsey. And she said, come, come with us to go to church where we're going. And that's where I've been ever since. And that's been years and years and years ago. But I thank God. So you can affect the person who's with you, even though they're unsaved, not yet saved. Will they get saved? I don't know. God says in the world, world that you, know, you don't know whether you're going to save them or not. But one thing I'm sure, don't leave them. No? Don't leave them because you're affecting that person. And there are people here that is in that situation. You have a husband or a wife who, uh, even though they might say they're Christians, they are unbelievers. What I mean by unbelievers? They don't believe what God said. That's an unbeliever. If you don't believe the word of God, that's a what? Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, you might say you say, you might got wet, you might say some words, you know. But I'm telling you, uh, and you might be a Christian. I don't know, you know. It's not for me to judge. But one thing I do know, if you're not obedient to this word, you're unbelievable. Because you don't believe it. And so there, there are Christians in here, in every church, that have a mate that's, a, that's an unbeliever. They don't believe the word of God. And God says, don't, don't leave them. But don't you now start acting like them so that you can maybe win them. And that's what some people make a mistake. And say, well, you know, uh, I won't go to church. I won't read my Bible. I'll, 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 you know, do what they do. I'll drink. I'll smoke. I'll hang out, you know. I'll act like they act, you know. And then maybe they'll love me. No, no, no. No, no. If they, if they want to stay with you, let them stay. If they want to leave, let them leave. Because he said that you go on with me. That's what he's saying. You go on with me. If he wants to stay, let him stay. If she wants to stay, let her stay. I'm working with you. When I get you right, I'll deal with the other person. That's what God wants. We have some other uh, questions that I want to hit, and I'll hit that uh, the, on the last thing. Uh, you know, like one said, what if my mate is physically abusive? And then the woman said, well, what if my mate is verbally abusive? What do I do? Well, we have the word of God for you too. Because the word of God is there. Marriages are very important. They are the foundation for relationships and our families. Our children will know what to look for in a mate when they see it walked out before them behind closed doors. Not at church. We can put on airs at church. But actually behind closed doors. They'll see what a father looks like. They'll see what a mother looks like. And they'll want to be like that mother. They'll want to be like that father. They want to marry somebody that's like that father. Want to marry somebody like that mother. That's what they want because they see it walked out. And they know behind closed doors, they know everything's not hunkadori, but they see, they suppose she'd see the word of God. If there's a disagreement, then you go to them privately. You know, you see all this stuff. You're not supposed to see a whole lot of contention and strife and, and you know, all this, you know, rebellion in the household. You're not supposed to see that. You're supposed to see love. You're supposed to see gentleness. 
You're supposed to see all those type of things in the household. I think Debbie uh, Daddy had something she wanted to do, and um, she wanted to say, I think. Thank you, Debbie. Um, first of all, when we saw Fireproof, we saw it at the theater, and it was so cool because everybody was laughing at the same time and then crying, so it's a really neat thing to do as a group. But I just got a sense while we were worshiping that, you know, um, well, Brother Bud, he shared about his friend, you know, and, and then the 160000 that was um, released. And God is the God of the impossible. And I know there's hurting marriages here just because the number of people here, there's hurting marriages. And there's marriages that we can, you know, we want, we all can do better in our marriages, have better marriages. And, and there's marriages maybe where there's your spouse isn't here and you want them to be here. So I just got a real sense that um, to have people come up for prayer, to stand for our marriages, and believe God for the impossible because he's the God of the impossible. And just see what he'll do this week and then, you know, believe in God for maybe, you know, we'll be here for the um, fireproof film and see what he does in that. And I was just um, wanted to fast and pray this week, it's, you know, and ask people to stand with me, to do that with me, challenge you guys to do that with me, to fast and pray this week for marriages, for not just our own, but for those we know who have hurting marriages or hurting relationships to stand for them too. So I wanted to um, just put it out to come up for prayer for either your own marriage or somebody you know or a hurting relationship and also for just what God's going to do this week and in that movie too. Thank you, Deb. Now, um, probably let's do it this way. Um, Every marriage is not in trouble. We know that most marriages are not here. Uh, but I believe that every marriage probably could need some, need a little sizzling going on. You know what I'm saying? Need a little sizzle to it, you know? Um, and I know the men are going to say, Mine don't. Well, I'll make that woman sizzle, you know? Well, if I ask her, she'll say, No, you don't. <laughs> so what we want to do is have you have have you stand right where you are and um, let me have the the prayer team if you come up please um, we'll do it just a little bit different uh, brother brother Sam brother Sam would you come up for a minute please Uh, Sally, you come up with him too, so he can smack him if he says something he's not supposed to. I want you to take this mic right here, and what we're going to do is, instead of coming up for, to get prayer, we want you to stand, everybody. Because I want you to stand, because I want to include the singles on this. Uh, singles want 
a happy marriage when they get married. Those who are single, who've been married before, they want a good marriage. They, they, they already tasted a bad one. They want a good one. And so they want, they, they're not going to settle for half nothing. They want a good one. So we're praying for the singles also. We're praying for those who uh, might be already divorced and remarried. And you know that we've already told you before we even start this series that my intention is not to embarrass anyone. My intention is not to uh, uh, try to tell somebody, you know, oh, woe is you, you know. Uh, we're saying that we want to get it right in the church. That's what we want to do, get it right. So second marriages should never fail. If, if the first one fail and, and you're now in the church, it should never fail. Never fail. And if you're in the church and you're on your first marriage, it should last until death do us part. That's what it should last for. And that's what we want to pray. And Elder Sam, would you pray for everybody here, uh, married, single, uh, divorce, whatever it is. Uh, just pray for all of the above. Uh, am I, is it okay to pray for everybody? Amen. Amen. And, you know, also pray for the good marriages. They get even better. Let it sizzle, you know? Okay? Yeah. You don't get too old for sizzling. <laughs> Praise God. Get, grab the hand of your mate, those of you who are married. Those of you who are not married, just lift your hands so for the, the marriage partner that, you, that God has for you. Yeah. Because he's going to come and she's going to come. Guaranteed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Willie. We thank you for what you placed in his heart to speak to us. Father, help us to be obedient to your word. Above everything else, whether you're single, married, Father, we thank you that your word must be first in our life. Father, help us in this area, above everything else, to be obedient to your word, to, obedient, to be obedient to the spirit of God in us as we line our lives individually and as a married couple in line with your word. Father, those who may be struggling this morning, we say in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask that you would encourage, strengthen, bless those marriages, raise them up, Father. Help them to see how that you are the God of the impossible. Whether whichever mate is not being obedient, Father, give strength to the other mate to be able to take heed to your words so that they are know that you are God who blesses. You are God who brings together relationship. You're the God who keeps us in a place where we can be obedient to you, Father, even in times when it's hard, when the other person is not obedient. Help us, Father, to raise the shield of faith, to put on the armor, to stand on the word, to take all the principles that we need to stand on, not um, having our own rights, but only that which is in Christ Jesus. Give us revelation and insight so we can see and know how to stand, Father. We can see the stratagems of the enemy, Father, and stand against us, against him and all his plans and have it done all to stand to keep on standing. 
And Father, we also pray for the singles, Lord. Help them to do what the scriptures say, Father. Help them to be able to stand. When the scripture said not touch one another, that's what it means. There's consequences to those uh, principles, Lord. Give them the strength to do it. Cause these men and women to be men and women of honor. Men and women of integrity, loyalty, faithful. They set example not only in the church but outside the church. And Father, help men who stand and strong in their marriages, Lord. Good marriages, Lord. Help them to be more romantic and sizzles in their marriage, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be who you call us to be. To love our wives as Christ loved the church. And then, Father, wives, those marriages who are okay, Father, help them to increase more to be the daughter that you have called them to be in that relationship, Lord. Where their marriage is, is just uh, it's a sweet aroma before your nostrils, Lord. And you can point to them and say, now they are ones that we want you to imitate. And, Father, I thank you that the pattern is Jesus Christ and his relationship with you. Help us all, Father, to not only see and understand, but give us revelation to where we are at, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we are contemplating marriage, whether we decide we're going to stay single the rest of our life. Father, it's something in the word of God for us. Strengthen us, Lord, with the strength whereby you can give us, Lord. Help us to yearn to please you above everything else. For in doing so, Father, you will give us the grace you will encourage us and strengthen us. You will open eyes to revelation, to times where it may be dark. You will give us insight, Lord, so that we can obey you. You desire us to obey you more than anything, Father. And so, Father, we ask that you increase our desires. Strengthen the marriages that are great. Help those who are having problems and struggling. Let this day be like no other day, Father. Let the seal of the Holy Ghost penetrate in our heart that when we walk away from this day, there's, a, there's something that's happened. We have changed. This won't be church as usual. This won't be just coming to hear a sermon. But we'll be like the Thessalonica. They heard the word of God and treat Paul as the words coming from God, not just Paul. Help us to treat the word that's been spoken today that came through Pastor Willie. It's not the words through a mere man, but a word that's coming through by you, Father. Help us to honor you that way, both single, both married, those who anticipate to be married. Father, bless us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. And seal these things in our heart, Lord, so that we can walk pleasing in your eye, so that we can be obedient, and so we can be strong for those outside, Lord, those who don't know you, Father. And we ask in the coming days, as those who decide to take on the challenge, to pray and fast with Devin. Yes, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus yes, that we all would decide to do something, Lord, so that we can be an instrument in your hand to bless other people who are under attack of the enemy, who do not understand the world system, the flesh, and all those things, Father. Help us today to go into yes. this week applying those principles and fasting and praying for our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, Lord. We just thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us, Lord. And thank you, Father, for this message and help us to apply. We say this in the name of Jesus. Seal these things in our heart by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Make sure everyone come to the, uh, the, the movie night because it's encouraging when the body gets together. Uh, and somebody's coming, that's, of course, you're invited, and the other people invited. And they'll they have a more sense of, of community when, when 
is more there than just five people. I've seen the, seen the movie, but it's not about uh, me seeing the movie. I'll see the movie again. That's no problem with me. Uh, I, want to, I want to encourage other people. So I'm going to be there, and I'm inviting people also. I've already invited somebody. So I want you there so it can be an encouragement. We can just have a time of fellowship and a time of fun. Okay? Uh, somebody close the service. I don't know who it is. Okay. Wanted to uh, just wanted to take this opportunity and just uh, you know just want to let everybody know here that you know the reason Pastor is really doing this is because he's all about relationships, just like Jesus is all about relationships, and he really wants us to have sizzling relationships, not only in marriages but also as we you know intermingle with one another and you know spend time with people. You know, it's all about relationships, and that's what Jesus is really trying to do in us, is to change our lives. And um, just for any visitors that are here, uh, Pastor and Minerva are in the back, so if you guys want to take a few moments and just see them before you guys take off, uh, they would love to see you and just uh, just be able to hug on you and just love on you. So, And also, the prayer team is available for everybody. I know that, that uh, Sam prayed and everything, but... That doesn't mean that you can't come up afterwards and, and get prayer for whatever needs you might have. But uh, just to close the service out, um, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance to thee and give thee peace. So go in peace today. Amen.